0: The ones... Let's begin now.
1: All right, let's do this Monday night... In the city that we love. A show that you are pining for on the daily. And now you have it. Been a pretty busy week uh, for your boy. Got a damn mosquito bite like, in his thigh. I don't know if, like, mosquitoes are just, like, pissed off or if I have a blood in my system that is just very attractive to them. Or maybe I just sit on the patio too damn much. But, man, I got just nailed mosquitoes. All right, Anyway. Don't need to talk about that. Do need to talk uh, a lot tonight. Uh, obviously we'll be heavy Chiefs space. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of Royals. Nicky Lopez departed from the squad, left a nice little note. That one kind of felt a little, I know you don't really have a lot of emotion towards individuals or athletes, maybe on your team or anything like that. But that one kind of seemed like a little bit of a sting yesterday. When you got that notification of Nikki Lopez has been traded. We'll get into that a little bit later. I did just tweet, um, Just a second ago of like, could you imagine the haul that the Royals would get if they traded Bobby Witt Jr. today? I know. Somebody had to say it. Somebody had to bring it up. Bobby Witt Jr. been electric. We'll talk about him as well when we talk about the Nicky Lopez situation. We'll play what Vern had to say on Fesco in the morning this morning about it. And uh, you can hear Vern tomorrow starting at 6 o'clock as it is Royals and Mets in town. Uh, uh, You think the Royals season's a disappointment. You ought to be a Mets fan. Right, They spent a lot of money, and then they just dealt shares to the Rangers, and everything's kind of falling apart for the Mets. You hate to see it. And by hate, I mean you love it. Um, but, yeah, this is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. I'm your host, Dusty Likens. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll do the out-of-left-field question at 8 o'clock. R.I.P. to, to Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Now, there's a lot of people out there that think that, uh, you know, he might be a little creepy. He might be a... Um, you know, one of those guys that maybe uh, you didn't watch because of an incident. And we know that that incident was, of course, I believe he exposed himself at an adult uh, movie theater. I believe that's what it was. I think that's, uh, I think that was the, the incident that one Pee Wee Herman did. But, man, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Great movie in my life. Tell him Large Marge sent you. Uh, and then the tequila scene where he does the, the iconic Pee Wee dance. But R.I.P. to Paul Rubens, cancer, brain tumor, 70 years old, passed away today. So I don't know what your opinion is on Pee Wee Herman. Obviously, the name's kind of interesting. I was a little too old, uh, or I'm sorry, it was a little bit before my time. I wasn't a Pee Wee's Playhouse guy. That still sounds weird to say out loud. Um, But R.I.P. to Paul Rubens. But I did love uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I did love that movie. I don't know why. He was like uh, the American version of Mr. Bean, I feel like. Right. Did you ever watch Mr. Bean, those movies? They were kind of weird. He was like a silent Rowan Atkinson, I think is his name. Um, But I forgot that Pee Wee Herman was in the movie Blow with Johnny Depp. Fantastic movie. I forgot he was like the weird, like, drug lord guy. So that's a random stat. But no, humbling story from me over the weekend. So, um, big golfer, right? No secret. Big golfer. Thought I could do something, uh, you know, that I hadn't really ever done before. I've only done it once, which was regrip a club, it was a putter. Thought it was fine. Um, go to the Sporting Goods, look to buy some grips and some grip tape. And I'm talking to one of their golf pros there. And he's like, yeah, we don't sell those. They're only online. You have to order them, you know, yada, 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 whatever it is. And I'm saying, okay. And um, he's like, but what you should do is you just let us grip them for you. I'm like, no, nah, man. That's gonna be like a hundred bucks. I don't want to pay that much money. I'll just go home. My old friend Brad Fanning. He had taught me how to do it years ago. All I need is a box cutter. I need a little bit of rubbing alcohol, a funnel, and a bucket. And I did the show last Thursday night. Went to the uh, went to the garage. Bought a six pack of uh, Miller High Life's, the champagne of beers, the number one in my book. And I proceed to regrip the club. And it doesn't go well. It's uh, literally halfway down the shaft. I can't get it to go further. I have to try to pull it off now. And when I do that, the grip rips. I then throw a temper tantrum because I'm dramatic and an idiot. Throw the knife against the wall. Throw the, the old grip into the trash. And I say, you know what? Screw it. Take it back up to Dick's the next day. Same guy there. He's like, what's up, man? I got a handful of golf clubs. I'm like, yeah, you guys should just go ahead and regrip them. And he gives me that look like a, yeah, I'll try to tell you so. So, uh that was my humbling experience this weekend uh, when it came to uh, golf clubs and golf groups. Not as easy as I thought. And I guess the whole time I needed like a vice or like a clamp because it's just, but I just couldn't understand it because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get the, uh, the grips to work. So this is After Hours. Dusty Likens with you. 913-586-7610. Uh, someone says that Pee Wee started with uh, uh, Cheech and Chong. Pewee Herman was was ripping those little uh, was ripping those little splits before he started doing Pewee's Playhouse. All right. Um, Angus Cloud, who played Fez in Euphoria, also passed. I saw that, but I don't watch Euphoria, so I don't know. So sad day of deaths, man. A lot of a lot of like celebrities dying lately. Hmm. Somebody says from the eight hundred and sixteen. Hey Wolf, my old lady could wrap your shaft on your club. No need. No need. Somebody says Dixon Lawrence has a bunch of stock in store. Grips, I mean. The last time I was there. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's over with now. We've been uh we've been humbled. So uh yeah, we don't have to worry about that. But one thing that is interesting is that on Twitter today we did have the uh the tears come out, right? We had the tears of I don't know, people saying that, you know this quarterback is here this quarterback is better than this court you know whatever it might have been and I thought an interesting take on everybody's you know quarterback list was that they're all the same right there's there's no real there's no real surprise of maybe a name that's in the top five right there's no there's no real shocker anywhere when it comes to You know, maybe somebody's pick over somebody else's. And I thought it was interesting when you look at the top five, which was, I believe it was a Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, um, Herbert, Rogers. That was the top five quarterbacks in the top tier. Now, Mike Sando was on Colin Coward's show. And Colin Coward kind of took the route that I wanted to take on this because, yeah, the top five names are all grouped together. But this is what he had to say when it came to the list of where Mahomes is kind of separate in an
2: own world. What was the gap between Mahomes at number one and everybody else?
0: There almost should be a super category of one, because <laughs> because really, Joe Burrow is one vote behind. But think of this, Colin. Let's just go bigger picture than who's in tier one now. Let's talk historical football, the legacy championship quarterbacks of you and my lifetimes. Okay, Joe Montana, amazing. But guess who allowed the fewest points in the 80s? The 49ers. Hall of Famers throughout the defense, right? Tom Brady. Great quarterback. Great winner. Top 10 defenses all over the place when he was winning those championships. Patrick Mahomes can have a mid-defense at best, the worst special teams in the league. He can high ankle sprain himself, and he can put it on his back and win the Super Bowl. I'm not huge on hyperbole. Usually, I'm the trying to be the voice of reason here with 26 years of covering the league. But we can't find this. Yeah, right. You can't find this. It's it's really remarkable. So I think he's in a whole nother league of being able to do this without the defense, without things being right. They get rid of Tyreek Hill. They're better statistically on
1: offense. <laughs> Who does this? Patrick Mahomes is the answer to that question. Again, that was uh, Mike Sandu of Mike Sandu of. Uh... Fox Sports, he's on the herd. Uh, we're calling cow herd on that little snid bit there. From when it comes to you know the the top tier quarterbacks, and it just kind of goes over, um, you know, as you know, well, how is Mahomes on this list, and where is his separation? And I think the best part about this list is that there's obviously the quarterbacks that we all know who are the good ones. Uh, and the, the tier one is Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Rogers, Herbert. That's your top five. Your second tier is Hurts, Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, uh, creepy Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins, a little disrespect there. I'd have him above Watson. I think I might have him above Dak Prescott. Um, I'd also have Matt Stafford above that. Again, Matt Stafford, probably a little bit of recency bias because of injury. But again, the main point of this is you might have a tier one, which I don't think anybody disagrees with when it comes to Mahomesboro, Allen, Rogers, and Herbert. I think those names are all solidified in the top five. In fact, you probably have one MVP within that list. If it's not, it's my guy Trevor Lawrence in tier two. Just you wait. Um, but the interesting take is like the separation distance of Patrick Mahomes and everybody else like Joe Burrow is fantastic. And it is confirmed by Peter King that Joe Burrow will be one of three quarterbacks in next year's Netflix series quarterback. We all knew Burrow was eventually going to get there. Hopefully we get that uh, a healthy Joe Burrow, right? And uh, we get to see some more dialogue between the Chiefs, Spangles, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. But as good as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are franchise changing quarterbacks, potential hall of fame quarterbacks. MVP candidates every single year and should win their division with their team almost every single year. There'll be a tough get this year with uh, Josh Allen, but you'd think that the, the Cincinnati Bengals will probably be a top of the north and, and Buffalo is going to have a fighting chance with New York and Miami in the East, which is a loaded division in itself and a topic for another day. But the separation and the points that they bring up about Patrick Mahomes and his, you know his capability of being that guy so far. And this is one of those things that now is at a national level. This is something that, you know, you heard on this station last year was, oh, they lost Tyreek Hill. And my biggest takeaway was Mahomes makes Tyreek Hill a better quarterback, there's no doubt, or a better wide receiver. There's no doubt about it. But how much of Tyreek Hill makes Mahomes that much better than everybody else as well? And the separation between that was Tyreek Hill is a much better receiver with Patrick Mahomes. There's no secret. He's still an all-pro Badass wide receiver with Miami. He showed that last year with Tua and Skylar Thompson and other names that filled in while Tua would miss a few games due to concussion protocol. But Patrick Mahomes will be the number one player on the NFL's top 100 list. We already know that. He's the reigning and defending MVP. He's the first quarterback since I don't know when to win MVP and the Super Bowl MVP in the same year. And the thing is, is that The conversation to be had is that, yes, he's number one, but he's number one by a long shot. And the best similarity, surprise, surprise, that I can give it, is a golf analogy. And in the years from 97 to 2007, that 10-year gap, Tiger Woods was the number one golfer in the world, right? And number two was more than likely for a lot of the times Phil Mickelson. And Phil Mickelson was still a multiple winner at the Masters, major winner, big-time golf name, very good, left-handed, could use any sort of wedge and make it look like a knife through butter. But the separation between Phil and Tiger was enormously large, and everybody knew it. Tiger Woods was just that much better, that much more dominant than everybody else in, in his position, which was golfing. And Mahomes is that way right now in the NFL. And it's very laughable to how crazy comparable that is because Patrick Mahomes with a top or a below 15th defense loses his number one. Well, I guess his number two weapon in Tyree kill and a, and a, and a dangerous deep threat and weapon at that, at any team in the NFL. And yet still wins the MVP, still wins the Super Bowl, still wins the Super Bowl MVP, still wins his division, still wins 12 games. And it's like it was never an issue. And Tiger Woods was that way in golf when he was the world's ranking number one for all those weeks, for all those years. And it was like, well, who's the next best golfer? It's like, well, it's Phil. He's pretty damn good. Yeah, he's won some majors. He's put his name in the top of the hat for a while, but he'll never be number one. But it's almost unfair because number one is so far ahead of everybody else. I think that's where we're currently at when it comes to the NFL and that position at quarterback. On the other side, my best friend, Pete Sweeney, he joins the show to talk a little bit of camp, a little Kadarius Tony, a little Chiefs updates, and a few things that might surprise you when it comes to Pete's answers here on After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. On 610 Sports Radio. Dusty Lag is with you tonight until 9 o'clock. We'll go to the out of left field question at 8. Maybe Cody Tapp will steal it for his uh, show tomorrow. Who knows? He's done it before. Wouldn't be surprised. 913 586 7610. If you'd like to chime in to the show, talked to Pete a little bit earlier. Decided to uh, say, hey, why don't we just go ahead and record a little conversation, talk a little camp talk a little bit of business, and uh, Pete Sweeney, who's our guy, on the field all the time, always notepad, pen handy, ready to rock and roll. Pete Sweeney on how things are heating up and how things are getting a little gnarly at camp.
3: Yeah, you're joking, but you kind of nailed it in the sense that this camp, it's longer than ever. The Chiefs got the nod to start a little bit earlier, like the Detroit Lions, because they have opening night, but we, I believe, have had eight, full team practices and there's still two weeks to go before the first preseason game. So it's allowed us to learn a lot. And I know a lot of people are excited about the 2023
1: season. Do you find it uh, lazy, interesting, or maybe there is a little bit of something here uh, from what we saw over the past weekend, then we'll catch up to today. uh, That was the annoyance of defenders to Travis Kelsey, who had uh, basically just had enough and threw a couple of haymakers. We're going to talk about this on Sunday, uh, but practice went a little long, but But what's the perspective from somebody who's around this team all the time? Because the way I kind of leaned into it was, it's hot. These guys are ready to hit somebody. And some of these guys are trying to make a point. So they're going after one of the best to be noticeable and get their number written down.
3: Yeah, I'm not so worried about it. And I know that Travis Kelsey felt the need to tweet and apologize about being a team leader. And I thought it was a a, a big move by him to go right up to Andy Reid and tell him that, he lost his cool a couple times in, in practice and has said that he's going to try to keep it down a little bit in, in a sense. I, I think there's been a point of emphasis these past few years, and you can tell that Steve Spagnuolo and his staff have been preaching it in we want to turn the football over more. And so you can tell that point of emphasis is hitting with them where these pass catchers are making the reception and they're going a little bit longer than they usual. Uh, than they usually have in the past. And it's annoying guys uh, at times. You know, Travis Kelsey hasn't been the only person to get in a, a little bit of a skirmish at training camp. I know that Jalen Watson was in one the other day with another receiver. And so, look, it's hot. The the Chiefs are, are ready to hit another player of a, of a different jersey, but right now they only got each other. And so, you can have moments like that happen. So as long as nobody gets injured, I, I think this is a part for the course that you see every training camp.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know there was a story that came out of Cincinnati where I think Orlando Brown, former chief, was was getting clawy with uh, defensive linemen. There scrapes all over his neck. It's just the middle of summer. Um, here's the other one, and then we'll get into what we've seen over the last week, at least you and I since we've been up there in uh, St. Joe kind of together, maybe seen things from a different perspective. Dude, uh, it's tough. Everywhere I go uh, and I talk to buddies about sports, it's Chris Jones. He's going to play. He's going to sign. You've got jokers like Jason Brown who who don't think he's going to play even though he's under contract. We know he's he's kind of an ass anyway. But Chris Jones, man, right? $50,000 a day. We're up to almost a half a mil in fines. Like, Is this the week he breaks camp? Or like, what are we actually waiting
2: on?
3: Yeah, you know what? I, I would have thought that it would have happened by now just because of the fines but this doesn't seem to be a situation where Jones is worried about these fines that are, are racking up. He's instead just eating them. And I I guess what he's figuring is I'm going to make so much money on this next deal that these fines are going to be a blip on the radar. What a good problem that is to have. But I, I just sense that both sides of this thing, they, they feel like I, I think they're in a stalemate of some sort where it's jones is is trying to be hard about that 30 million dollar number where i i believe the chiefs might be saying at this point we'll come to camp and and then we'll talk and what you've got is this ultimate stalemate and and until one side budges you're going to have what you have and i thought jones would be in camp already and so it's very hard to predict when this thing is going to break in a sense i i'd say this we're heading into a day off tomorrow Why not a day off for Brett Beach and Jones' representatives to get on the phone and just try to get something worked out so the Chiefs can move on past this? This is the one lingering item at training camp that you really haven't seen a solution for, and I I know that fans feel this way, and I think us reporters feel the same way too. Like, the sooner this is over, the better, so we can just start talking about real football.
1: Pete, when you speak of real football, the first preseason game, I believe, is Sunday the 13th. I know rosters and all that sort of thing have to get... Uh, narrowed down by, what, the third preseason game? It's all, like, one cut. Now there's not the, the wait and see. Um, how about this Prince kid? I saw your tweet this week where he said, go ahead and ink his name into the 53. This running back uh, situation for the Chiefs seems like it's kind of got a little loaded room of talent.
3: Yeah, generic Prince has, has been impressive, really, throughout the offseason. And you've really seen what he can do at training camp. And I'm not even just talking about running backs. You can include some of the other pass catchers, whether it be Kelsey and some of the tight ends or even some folks in in the receiving room, Prince is right there when it comes to pass catching ability. So what becomes the question then when you're talking about a pass catching running back, it's can he pass protect. And so I feel like if he can show the Chiefs that he can pass protect by the end of camp and show some strides there, I mean, we already know he's going to be the kick returner, but could we see him – eat into the snaps of somebody like a Clyde Edwards-Alaire or a Jarek McKinnon. I just think he's performing at that level of good. He's got three preseason games to show what he can do as well. But for me, yeah, number 34 has probably been the most impressive offensive player at camp. And I think that's been a little bit unexpected just because you know who's in camp with the Chiefs. They drafted a wide receiver. Everyone's crazy about Justin Ross. To me, Derek Prince has been the most impressive.
1: I want to move over to the receiving core because almost like to an annoyance was the Justin Ross talk of the offseason. Uh, it took one punt return in practice to put Kadarius Tony on the sideline. I'll dive into him a little bit here in a second. But Justin Ross and Rasheed Rice kind of look like they're stealing the attention in the receiving core on the, on the uh, offensive side for one Patrick Mahomes and the, uh, the, the people that get on the X device
3: and put out messages. Yeah, and, and so far so good, right? We talked about the preseason games. You're only going so rough in training camp, right? So we know Rasheed Rice has been playing, less worried about him. Well, what's going to happen when Justin Ross takes his first licking in two years, right?
4: Yeah. So you've,
3: gotten, you've gotten over the hump where I think he has proven to be a target that Patrick Mahomes likes. You see the videos on social media. His route running is there. He's been able to stay, stay healthy this far. Is he going to be able to sustain hits in a real football game? And I think the first preseason game is going to be a good test of that. I got my new 53-man roster coming out tomorrow, and I'll tell you Justin Ross is on it because I see the Chiefs keeping seven receivers because I think Kadarius Toney will eventually go to IR. I know you were talking about uh, discussing him in a second, but I I think that will leave room for – Justin Ross to be on it, because if you're talking about six receivers, you you like a room that's six receivers deep. And the Chiefs have been trying to tell you that he's going to be on the roster just by all the reps that he's been getting with Patrick Mahomes. I've been surprised to see it. I did not expect it. I thought he was going to be with the second team. But he's been playing with Patrick Mahomes a lot, and that leads me to believe they want him to be on this roster.
1: Yeah, I think the tweet I saw today was from, (laughs) of all people, Micah Parsons. And it just said, a lot of people forget this dude was a first-round pick. And so far, again... In simulated practices and pads with friendly fire, he seems to be uh, kind of setting himself up for, for quite the successful turn with Patrick Mahomes. Now, defensively, I'm on record already as saying I think this defense can be a top 10 unit in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes never really had a solid defense to support himself with. It seems like the Chiefs' strategy, at least from what I'm seeing, is... Let's hold teams, you know, this isn't really a bold strategy. Let's hold teams under 17 as best we can, and then when we get to the fourth quarter, let's let this slew of running backs kind of close the game out. Or is this going to be basically the same Chiefs team as always, just adapt, be the best offense, and have a top 15-ish defense?
3: Well, I, I think the ceilings of the offensive line, and you mentioned the defense, I think the ceilings are higher than they've ever been for Patrick Mahomes as a starter. Now it's can they meet? to what they are on paper. I, I look at that front seven. You, you wish that there was maybe another defensive end in camp, although Malik Herring is coming along. You have Mike Dana dealing with an injury right now. But the second and third levels, I think, you know, you could put those up against anyone in the National Football League. When you look at the linebacker core, Drew Tranquil, who's a newcomer, he has looked great. We said we were really excited about six cornerbacks. Trent McDuffie's been working the slot. He's looked really good. But you- Need same thing. Nick Jones at times has shined with past breakups in camp. I even think now that you have another slot open, potentially a guy like Kalep Halisi, who's lesser known, Eco Boydo, who's been this really good local story from K-State, perhaps they could round out your cornerback room. And I just, I think you're young, you're really good in the, the defensive room, and let's say George Karloftis can break through and be that guy for 17 games rather, just that ending stretch of the year get on in the range of 10 to 15 sacks you feel like Jones is going to be there too when he finally does show up I mean I, I think you're looking at a potential top five top 10 defense and if they're doing that and you got Patrick Mahomes man I, you suddenly have a situation where you could win a lot of games and and who knows right the Chiefs have been 14 and three so many times in recent years you know th- you know 13 and four. What if everything went right and you start to threaten with history, not to get ahead of ourselves? Right. Right? I really think if you put the defense and offensive line of this caliber around Mahomes, the sky's the limit.
1: Speaking of Sky, uh, you kind of segued perfectly in there with Kadarius. Tony, you would mentioned, could go on the uh, the IL. Is that – that's a, you have to miss four games, right? Is that where that is with Kadarius? Tony also with Sky Moore. Which of these receivers that we've mentioned, Rasheed Rice, Kadarius, Tony – or not Kadarius Tony, but Skymore uh, Rasheed Rice, Justin Ross, and then also Rich James. Somebody's gonna have to step up their role a little bit more than maybe they should have. Sky Moore, the year two guy, but is that correct? If he goes on the on the IL, it's a four games automatically.
3: Yeah, yeah. So we can't go in the IR right now because the IR, like Nazi Johnson, went on, just it ends your season before the fifty-three man cut down. So Kadarius Tony has to be on the fifty-three man. I anticipate, and again, as you'll read tomorrow, please read my 53-man roster prediction at Arrowhead Pride, I I anticipate them cutting Blake Bell for a day, because veterans are not waves, which means they're not subject to being claimed by anyone else. They're released, so they can sign with you the next day. I think Kadarius Tony makes the initial 53, and then is placed on IR. I think they'll be cautious about that. he will miss the first four weeks of the season, and then hopefully he's back by week five. And in the meantime, you're looking at a receiver room, yes, that'll be leading into Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore. I think someone that doesn't get enough credit for what he does for the team as far as trust with Mahomes is Justin Watson. If you really look at the three wide receiver sets right now, I know that we talked about Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, but Justin Watson has been there with Marquez Valdez, Scantling and Sky Moore because it takes a lot of field time to really get used to Andy Reid's offense, know all the positions that you have to. Justin Watson is a master at Andy Reid's offense. So I think maybe Watson is that guy nobody's talking about that could really step up in a big spot if Kadarius Tony were to miss that time early, and that is time for Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross, should they make the 53-man roster, to really come into their own, and maybe you're looking at a second quarter of the season type of thing for their progress. And so Justin Watson might be that hidden name you're looking for.
1: Last one, Pete. I talked about this last week. Who could be the fourth horseman? I know it's the Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, probably in every single AFC power ranking. Is it Chargers, Jets, Jags, Dolphins? Am I missing somebody that could step up and be that – that fourth horseman in this race to the final uh, final week of the season, when it comes to the AFC, I think the first three are locks. That third spot, though, I mean, maybe Baltimore sprinkled in there a little bit. Who knows? Also, tell the people how they can check out that fifty-three uh, man roster first edition. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I, I horseman because I think realistically, you're right. Four teams, you can really only. See winning the AFC, but who are those teams? But I, I think that the Chiefs and, and Bengals, when Burrow is healthy, of course, are just on another tier. I mean, they're just far ahead of the Bills, in, in my mind. The Bills taking a step back. So I, I want to see if the Bills can get back to that tier of the Chiefs and the Bengals. If you're asking for four, I like the Jaguars as a dark horse. I think their defense is good. Their offensive line is good. I like uh, Trevor Lawrence. And when he was able to do in that last stretch last year, they were able to have a, a really, I think, for the books type of uh, playoff win by that comeback against the Chargers. You add Calvin Ridley to that mix, Travis Etienne. I just I just feel like the, the Jaguars are one of these teams that could go blow for blow with teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals. And it's just they haven't done it yet. you got to see them do it. But I, I really like the Jaguars as that fourth team. And thank you again, yeah, for mentioning it, the 53-man roster. 2.0 will be coming out tomorrow. If you Google Arrowhead Pride's roster uh, projection 1.0, you can see what I did the first time. There's a few changes, uh, but I explain each position group and what I'm thinking. And we'll do a couple more of these before the end of camp. You can check that out tomorrow morning at arrowheadpride.com.
1: Pete, as always, thanks for joining, taking time out of your day. And uh, I know you got an uh, upcoming off day, so enjoy that as much as possible. And uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later down the season.
3: All right, Dusty, great to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Pete, chief editor. Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride. He's not an ass. The guy we're going to bring up next, we're going to need help. And I know a lot of you are going to hate this, but we need a lot of help. we got to crush this guy. He's been around. He continues to linger. And now it's time to put it to bed. Let's go at this together. We can have fun with this because we're all fanboys. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. here on 610 Sports Radio. Thanks for the segue, Mike Sweeney. We'll keep you updated if there's any more moves that happen with the Kansas City Royals. We had tweeted earlier, we, myself, Dusty Likens here, your host of After Hours Center on 610 Sports Radio. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Here until 9 p.m., but uh, imagine what you would get if you traded Bobby Witt right now. The hottest player not named Shohei Otani in Major League Baseball at the perfect time. It's tough to say. It's tough to think about, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Also, we'll get into what the Nikki Lopez trade meant for this franchise. But where I kind of want to go here is I want to go full attack mode um, with this. I guess you would call him a personality. I'm not really sure how much of it is, uh, you know, worth the uh, worth the listen. But it seems like every year, Right. Somebody tries to be that guy. Now, we know Bart Scott last year was the one that kind of, you know, was the, was the full running uh, force of Chiefs slander. It's no surprise that Jason Brown, our dear friend here at 610 Sports Ready, who has blocked myself, Nick Schwartz, I think he even blocked Cody Tapp, refuses to come on the air after we hung up on him because he just didn't make any sense of what he was saying. Here's his newest thing. And by the way,
2: he's pretty confident. Everyone's coming after you harder every single year, which all the naysayers out here think automatically, oh, the Chiefs are going to go 14-3. and No, it doesn't work that way. And Chris Jones now has been in the limelight as possibly not coming back. That's two or three losses right
1: there. Stop playing. And if you want to really break it down even more – how is the O line going to be different? I like the two tackle additions, but inside, I'm not
2: sold on the Chiefs offensive line. And defensively, it reminds me of two years ago when they struggled during the regular season, got in, made a run, Bengals beat them. Um, this is that roster similarity, and it's always hard after a championship run. So I see them having this type of hiccup year. 10 and 7 still is a possible playoff team, but I don't want to hear 14 and 3. If they do, I'll eat Crow. But if they don't,
1: eat it. Well, I can't play what he said, but it it rhymes with stick is what he says to eat. And again, I don't mind people that make bold takes that can back it up. And I know Jason Brown will never join this show, but that's our job now to go full force and attack this man. Because this man literally does not know what he's talking about. And I know there's a lot of people out there that will be like, Dusty, stop. You don't need to give him any attention. That's what he wants. Clickbait. He wants... I literally don't think that's what he wants. I literally think he's an idiot. I think he's literally a dumbass when he comes to talking about football. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. He's not smart. He says they don't have good interior linemen. They have the burn in football. That's maybe a debate if you want to take Jason Kelsey. But Creed Humphrey's going to be... By far the best center in football for the next five to seven years. Trey Smith, outstanding right guard, one of the best in the game. Did he forget that that Joe Tooney still plays on this team too? Who's an all-world left guard? So again, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He thinks ten and seven. Patrick Mahomes has not lost seven total games in one year. In fact, their record last year fourteen and three. The year before, when he said they. Locked in and got into the playoffs and made a run. They went 12 and 5. And they lost in the AFC Championship game. They went 12 and 5. Mahomes has a starter since 2017. 10 and 6, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 12, 14 and 2, 12 and 5, 14 and 3. The last time the Chiefs won 10 games was in 2017. And that was his first year as a starter and he missed. No, he didn't miss any games, but you he, get the picture. Mahomes doesn't lose. Leaked into the playoffs and lost in an the NFC Championship game. Yes, to Cincinnati. 10-7? and seven? seven losses? You don't like the interior line? And then you mentioned Chris Jones might not come back? He's under contract for another year, you buffoon. No one's saying that tri- Chris Jones is getting traded. All they're saying is... When is he going to report? He's under contract for one more year. If anything, he's not here next year. Two losses without Chris Jones, 10 and seven. Go attack Jason Brown. Give him the business. Let him know. Let this man know that what he's doing is wrong. We need to get him off the platform. We need to cancel him for ignorance. The guy just sucks. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views. I could be looking for you, looking for you, looking for you in all the wrong places. I could be missing on you, missing, all you,
3: missing all you, with all of this dream
1: Quick first hour here on After Hours. That's why it's got an S at the end of hours because there's three of them. We just have burned through the first. And I'll dive into your text messages concerning on the, the Jason Brown topic. But you got you to gotta go after that, right? You got to go after someone who's that ignorant. Just my opinion. From the 316, he's a loudmouth idiot. He's a dumbass. No question about that. Dusty, the best comeback is the silent treatment. It pisses people off. Not in this situation. Now, the silent treatment might piss somebody off. Like, if you're having a debate and it's a heavy argument and somebody just is continuously going and asking you over and over, what's your response? What's your response? I'm good. That's when it pisses somebody off. This is something where somebody for the last two years has come out with false information and tried to spin a narrative that doesn't make sense yet. They put themselves in a position to think, Oh yeah, I'm, I know what I'm talking about because I am who I am. No, no, Attack this man. Let's take him out of the world of sports. It's a better place without him. I don't care if people think it's annoying to go after somebody who's consistently annoying. Do it. Speaking of consistently annoying, Sean Payton. Um, big fan of villains in the NFL. And if you remember, um, it was Sean Payton who said, you know, we're doing everything in the opposite direction. They did last year here in Denver, yada, yada, yada. And then we played it over the weekend. Robert Sala responded with some with some great feedback.
5: Well, I'm not going to acknowledge Sean on that. Is-
1: and before we do this, this is exactly what they're doing to each other that we're trying to do to Jason Brown.
5: He, you know, he's been in the league a while. He can say whatever the hell he wants. But, uh, but as far as, you know, what we have going on here, it's, um, you know, the – i kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters you ain't popping so hate away you know it's uh obviously we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four and i'm good with it you know but uh you know the guys in our locker room they they've earned everything that's coming to them um um and really excited about what's going on i think hackett's doing a phenomenal job here him the uh, coaching staff is doing a phenomenal job and and we're focused on us i get it there's a lot of external noise there's a lot of people who are hating on us. There's a lot of people looking for us to fail. There's a lot of crows pecking at our neck. Uh, but all you can do is spread your wings, keep flying high until those crows fall off and suffocate from the inability to breathe. It's a whole other analogy I'll get into later. But, uh, but really, really, really excited about the group we have, the coaching that's going on. and uh, um, But I'm going to keep our focus on us and making sure that we're prepared every single day to do the best we can and uh, learn from our past and grow with, Grow with every every moment that we have.
1: So that was Robert Sala's response. And then today, James Palmer of the NFL Network kind of gives, like, I don't know, a rendition of what everything has been over this past weekend with somebody starting something, somebody reacting to it. And then Sean Payton responded with, I forgot sometimes I have my Fox cap on and I have to watch what I say and that I'm not
2: a report." But come on, man. Now, on Friday... We heard from Sean Payton when he said he regretted what he had to say, said that he is going to reach out to the Jets and Robert Sala, somebody he thinks the world of, he said, and handle this in terms I'm assuming he's addressing his an apology or his discussion with, say, Nathaniel Hackett or Robert Sala, at the right time and do it the right way. That happened before Aaron Rodgers' comments. Now, what Sean Payton was trying to get at in this article and then speaking to a number of players was this. That you guys need to be taught the right way. My group is going to come in and teach you guys the right way. I had a chance to speak with Sean Payton on Saturday when he told me, I think I have the credibility with my staff and myself to come in and show these guys that there is a right way to do it. I've done it this way. I've won this way. We're going to start building and changing that culture. Now, owner. And CEO Greg Penner believes he has started to change the culture in a sense. But we have to remember all of the comments, right, in that article were not just directed at Nathaniel Hackett. Sean Payton was saying that the blame for what happened last year and the worst offense we saw in the NFL last year fell on a number of people. It wasn't just Nathaniel Hackett. He said it was the coaching staff. He said it was the general manager that's still here, the president that is still here and all of the PR that surrounded everything leading into that season. So really what Sean Payton was trying to say is, to my players, that is an outlier. You are more talented than that because remember how the article started with him saying, I'm going to be pissed off if we don't make the playoffs. That's the part that his players have grasped onto that they believe with his coaching staff coming in and what Sean Payton has done in the past that they have a chance to maybe perhaps do that. And the other part we know is Sean Payton was trying to protect his quarterback, and stand up for his quarterback, which we all saw throughout the NFL the last year. The person who probably took the most blame and the most criticism, honestly, was probably Russell Wilson, who is still here and still the Denver Broncos quarterback. And the last part I will say, Rhett, we know this has done a lot uh, in New York, in the locker room in New York. Here in Denver, they just won the NBA title. They have prime right up the road, turning things around at CU. Sean Payton is right now the most popular person in Denver and in Colorado for the comments that he made with the fans. It has hit probably exactly where Sean Payton would have liked.
1: That's why Sean Payton needs to lean into this. Sean Payton needs to lean into this heel role, the villain of the NFL, the guy that's been suspended because he supported Greg Williams, who tried to kill Brett Favre on the football field. You remember and then you get Aaron Rodgers, who used to be the heel, who used to be the bad guy, took a $35 million pay cut to make his team successful and became a different guy in New York, who says this about Sean Payton.
3: I'm not going to ask you about Sean Payton's comments directly, but I will ask you to maybe address Nathaniel Hackett as a coach and what he means to you and what he can bring to this Jets team. That story goes out there. I had about a million texts from people in the coaching community saying, I was out of line. it Yet you see Hackett out here. He's still pumped up. I don't think it affects him as much as maybe it affects everyone on the outside. And yet you and him have this great bond and union together, where you've always had his back, he's always had yours.
4: Yeah, I love Nathaniel Hackett, and those comments were very surprising, um, to, for a coach to do that to another coach. My love for Hackett goes deep. You know, we had uh, some great years together in Green Bay, kept in touch. Love him and his family. He's an incredible family man, incredible dad. And on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, uh, how he cares about the guys, uh, just how he goes about his business with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity. And it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure. That they have to take another man down mm. to set themselves up for some sort of mm. easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth. He went full Will Smith to Chris Rock.
1: I feel like if Sean Payton was there, Aaron Rodgers would have slapped him with an open fist. Sean Payton is a coward so far. You need Sean Payton if you're going to drop this sort of bomb and now it's affected the entire Jets team and now they're going to come after your ass because you play them this year. Sean Payton, lean into that heel roll. Sean Payton, hold your own. Don't run away. And then say that you're going to apologize to the entire Jets staff. They don't want to hear your name. They don't want to see your name come up on a phone and say, Sean Payton, they're going to look at it as scam likely and hit the red decline button for iPhone users. That makes sense. What a bag. Like, he makes Aaron Rodgers look like the obvious child that Paul Simon sang about. Keep my coach's name out of your mouth. He went Will Smith on you. He slapped you with a verbal fist. Sean Payton, lean into it or keep your mouth shut. Plain and simple. Also, the other thing that Sean Payton did, didn't even go after his own division. Didn't go after the Chiefs. Smart. Went after Nathaniel Hackett, tried to gain some love from the from the locker room, tried to get the city on its back, and now all of a sudden you got some big shoes to fill, and you're going to go out of t- after the uh, the 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 most recent outside of Patrick Mahomes MVP back to back winner, new team, lots of weapons in the AFC East. Don't even go after your own division. Coward status. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views.